Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Vicacelli. Hello, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Vicacelli. Uh, This program, Answering the Call, lets us uh, get to know some of our ordained clergy and the religious in our diocese and learn about their particular faith journeys as they uh, answered God's call to the vocation that they are serving in now. And I'm so pleased to have yet another recently ordained priest of the Diocese of Columbus joining me on the show today. And he's going to be sharing his story on Answering the Call. He's Michael, uh, Father Michael Fulton, parochial vicar of Christ the King in Columbus. Welcome, Father Fulton. Hello, Elizabeth. You sound great. How are you this morning? <laughs> I am doing so well. I've not had nearly enough coffee, but I think we're going to be able to do just fine. All righty. So, Father, I know that you were born and raised in Denver, Colorado, and you lived there till you were 12, and uh, your parents then moved you to Columbus, Ohio, to be closer to your grandparents in Akron. And I'd like to start your story with that family of yours and kind of talk about um, the Catholic nature of your family growing up. Yes. Um, so again, um, I was born to a very, uh, very typical Catholic family. Um, the oldest of three siblings uh, went to some Catholic, uh, had some Catholic education growing up, and we practiced the faith regularly. You know, it was nothing uh, out, nothing outstanding, nothing that was you know out of the ordinary. We would go to mass every weekend, and uh, I learned to be an altar server. It was a very, it was a very typical uh, formation in the faith as I was growing up, and it was from that foundation that you know, the Lord was able to build on. And to this day, you know, my parents, they're just very strong in practicing the Catholic faith. My siblings, a little bit less so. Uh, my, my sister's very rebellious, and she's mm-hmm. uh, been, been away from the faith for some time, but my brother, he's coming back to the practice of the faith. So to go back to that, uh, you were saying you were an altar server, so tell us a little bit about that. Oh, so I wasn't a very good altar server, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say. Today I have an, a training for altar servers, and I hope they're a lot better than I was. Um, <laughs> I started when I was in about fourth grade, and I specifically remember I, was, I fell down all the time. I tripped <laughs> on the hem of my cassock all the time. I fell up the stairs. I know <laughs> on multiple occasions we did the outdoor stations of the cross. And I remember I fainted. <laughs> I fainted <laughs> a couple times and I woke up, I woke up a little bit later on a couch in the vestibule of the church. So I was, wow. I was definitely no star server to be sure. And then I didn't really, then there was a hiatus. I didn't serve uh, until much later in high school when I was being prepared for the priesthood, but it was... And ho- hopefully it you was grew into your cassock. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you grew into your robe and you weren't tripping as much, but... Um, I still so, trip sometimes. So as that uh, age, that awkward altar server age that you were in, um, what were your aspirations when you grew up? What did you want to be? I I was all over the place. Um, the main the main thing all through the my early years was to be an engineer. I, mm-hmm. I think most boys who played with Legos were told we'd make great we'd make great engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I was growing up when the Jurassic Park movies were coming out, and I know just very much like Father Kyle Tennant, I wanted to be a paleontologist for a bit. <laughs> I wanted the dinosaurs, but 
and even for for a a brief moment in my in my young childhood, I even had this idea like, yeah, I'll probably be a priest. And I don't even know where that came from, but it was just something that was on my radar. I was like, oh yeah, I think that's that's a viable option. And yeah, why wouldn't I? And then so, I went right back to being an engineer. But right. <laughs> it was something that it it was a a blurb on the screen. It was something that came across my radar even that early on. Okay, but again, you don't really know why, but it was somewhere in in the mix, in the mix. But oh, um, at the at the time, I had no no idea why. So, talk about what it was like at twelve years old to move across the country into public school. You're a preteen. That had been a a big transition. That was yeah, it was a, ma- <clears throat> a major transition. Um, in in Colorado, our faith and our community, our friends, they were all based around our parish in the Catholic school. And so we went to Mass every week because we knew everyone at the church, and we had our friends, and that was our connection. But we came across the country uh, into a public school system, into a very <laughs> into a very strange new world, and we just didn't have that, that same support. And so we, we shopped around for different parishes. We're like, oh, this parish is great, but it's just way too big, or this parish is great, but it's it's way too small and everyone already knows each other and it's kind of hard to integrate into it. And so it was hard to find that right fit. And again, in the early years of middle school when, you know, everything, when nothing makes sense and, and I, and you really need a lot of stability. I didn't really have the stability in my faith to get me through my middle school years, unfortunately. So as you were parish hopping, um, eventually you would find one that fit. We did. So, my mother tells me, again, she's got a better memory than I do, but we found ourselves at St. John Newman Catholic Church in Sunbury, Ohio. We found ourselves there, I think it was a, an Easter Mass, and I remember it was just a very energetic parish. There's lots of fervor, lots of faith, lots of youth, so many families, and of course the pastor at the time, Father Dave Sizemore, he's about as energetic as they come. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. And I remember just being very, very taken with the parish. I was very struck by it. And she even told me that in the car after Mass, I said, hey, if, if we can make this our parish, I would I'd love that so much. I'd love you forever. Uh-huh. And, and so we did. And that was my home parish. And that was, uh, that was my home parish all through high school and through seminary. And it's where I celebrated my first Mass about 10 years after the fact. So it was fantastic. It's, it, it's funny how your mom remembers. Uh, I and mean, we had a, a priest guest recently on the show that said the same thing. His mom reminded him of things that he said or did as a child that he had no recollection of. But she seemed to remember that. You said, oh, this this is it. This is the place. And um, even oh, yeah. that you kind of had a, a prayer life as a kid. Is that right? That she kind of noticed that also? Yeah. Again, mothers, <laughs> just like the Blessed Mother, she took all these things and pondered them mm-hmm. in her heart. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but she she even says that you know as a as a kid that there was there was a that my prayer life was something that really caught her attention and again nothing I can remember but just um, I think with with children it's there's just such a matter of factness to the faith like sure. of course it's this or God God's telling me this or yeah apparently from a very from a very young age I was you know she's able to lead me in that that very deep faith and apparently I would say some very uh, some very pious things, some very strange things. Like, oh, yeah, well, God told me to do this. And so mm. we're going to do that. Yeah. And so, so yeah, just... that, that was a great memory for her. And 
Now, you were coming to St. John Newman uh, just about the time you were preparing for confirmation. So talk about those classes. Oh, yes. So I, I came to St. John Newman for confirmation classes. I did not know I was coming. I was just dropped off in the parking lot, and my parents, they drove off. <laughs> and so they just left me at the, they left me in front of the parish hall. Oh. Uh, but luckily, the, the youth ministers uh, at the time, uh, Tina Birch and then Megan Basler, they were stars. And they, they <laughs> zeroed in on me. They, they saw the, the awkward kid in the corner who wasn't talking to anyone. And they were, they paid such close attention to me. They were always talking to me, always trying to engage me. They're always trying to bring me into the conversation. And that's something, uh, that's a skill that I eventually learned from them when I was going to their youth group. And so uh, that was a very, that was the beginning of, of everything at, at confirmation. Because in, you know, the few years of Catholic school that I'd been in, I'd, I learned a great deal about the faith. And I know so many kids in our schools learn a lot of things about the faith. But I remember having a very new depth presented to me uh, in, in that eighth grade, in those eighth grade classes. Uh, I knew, okay, we have these sacraments, we have these things, but I remember the, you know, the, the spiritual side of our faith. Like, okay, there's a there's a relationship that's expected here. There's um, there's also two thousand years of tradition, and there's all these different things, and there's reasons for everything that we've been saying and learning for the past however many years. And it's because it's all thought out, and it all comes from divine truth. And I remember being very impressed. I said, okay, this this uh, this faith has a lot a lot richer and it's a lot smarter than I gave it credit for and just being very impressed by it. And that, those classes got the wheels to start turning. Um, again, it, there were no major revelations in eighth grade, but the wheels started turning and I knew that there was something more, um, more than I had expected in the Catholic faith and something that was worth kind of sticking around and checking out. Now, Father David Sizemore, as you said, was the pastor when you were there, and he would be one of those people God put in your life to help you on your journey. Talk about his influence. Oh, Father David Sizemore, again, an excellent pastor, I just an excellent friend. Now he's been my spiritual father for something like 14 years. But he he was, he was the one who kind of gave me that, that real call, the vocation. I was at youth group one night, so after after confirmation, um, again the wheels get turning. The the grace of the sacrament, uh, it, it was working on my heart, and I was going to the youth group. I kept going to the youth group afterwards, in part because of um, the things that I learned in confirmation, but also in no small part for all the pretty girls that were at the youth group and <laughs> you know freshman boy that was a very big influence for me, and so I'm in the middle of youth group, you know, trying to play these games, trying to impress the girls, trying to make friends. And Father Dave Sizemore, where he calls me over, uh, he's over to the side and we have a little chat and he says, Hey, I'm, I'm Father Dave. We've, uh, I think we've met once or twice, but you're Michael Fulton, right? I've, I've noticed that you, and I think, have you ever thought about being a priest? <laughs> and that just caught me off guard. It was, I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I didn't know how to react to it at first. I was just thinking like, wait, is this, have I ever thought about being a priest? <laughs> I've got good priestly qualities. Like, I didn't even know if that was a good thing, if I should be offended or not. Um, and and I was just like, oh, um, no, not, not really, uh, but I'll, 
I'll think about it. Yeah. And then I just, you know, kind of ran off back to the game. <laughs> and I tried to put it in the back of my mind. But what he had said, those simple words that, you know, that, that priest said, they stuck with me and they kind of bothered me. And for a couple weeks afterwards, for about a month afterwards, they kept talking back into my head. And I had to, I had to really address them. And the more I thought about them, the more I could compare them, you know, what I knew about the priesthood to what I knew about myself at the time, um, it started to make a bit more sense. And it was, it was starting to scare me. And so like, I, what went, were, I, I talked yeah, what to were again some of those, said, hey. You, I was going to ask well, you, what were some of those things that you saw in yourself that could possibly align with priesthood? Oh, some of those things that I saw in myself. Well, I, I thought, okay, what do I know about priests? Priests. They, they help people. They give people advice. They, in confession, you know, they give people advice. You know, again, this very low-level, cursory stuff. And I remember thinking, all right, well, I, I do that. You know, for some reason, I don't know why, but a lot of people in my friends group, they would ask me for advice on things, and they would share, um, share some of their struggles with me. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a coincidence. And then, okay, what else do they do? They... They serve the poor. They take care of people who need help. And, and again, I would never have admitted this, you know, a little, you know, awkward for freshman, freshman me. I was you know, very, I didn't want anyone to know that I had any feelings of any kind, but I, mm-hmm. I secretly really loved uh, serving the poor. Anytime our family would go and do something at a soup kitchen or anytime that our parish had an event like the giving tree where we'd take um, gifts to, to a parish to, to give to families. I absolutely loved it, and I had a great time. And I remember thinking, "Oh well, well that's a, that's another connection." And then you know, I said, "Okay, the priests they celebrate mass. They they celebrate mass." And now I know, like, okay, the priest is they celebrate the holy sacrifice of mass. They stand in a persona Christi. But then I just knew, yeah, they they go up and they, they celebrate mass. And I said, even though I was a I was a very bad server, I didn't. I was not a very accomplished <laughs> altar server. I I was something that I love, and I remember thinking, "All right." There's a lot more things here than I than I like to admit, and so the the more connections that I could make, the more that his comments about me possibly being a priest it, it made more and more sense. And so I took that back to him. I said, "Hey, Father, when you when you said that to me, were you just saying that to say it? Do you say that to all the young guys? Because um, I think that's the fear that most of us have. Like, oh yeah, a priest has to say that to every young guy with a pulse. Sure. Hey, you're you're supposed to be a priest." Mm-hmm. But he said, no, I, I told that to you and you know, another guy from the youth group, but I really think that you should consider it. And so that uh, really got me set down, set down a certain path. And with Father Dave, I started meeting with him on a regular basis, you know, every month, a couple months, just to talk about Catholic things, to talk about what it means to be, what is a priest? What does it mean to be a Catholic man? Because... Before you can discern being a Catholic priest, you have to be a, a Catholic man. So there's a lot of things that I was learning from him, and yeah, he was he was an excellent spiritual father through the entire process. You're listening to Answering the Call. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli talking with Father Michael Fulton about his journey. Mm-hmm. He's uh, with Christ the King in Columbus. Um, so, Father, how did things begin to accelerate for you in terms of your faith involvement um, as you you know progress through high school? Well, it was. Yeah, things just kind of took off. So I, I was going to the youth group. I started meeting with Father Dave Sizemore from time to time to talk about the priesthood. And then things just took off from there. I got more and more involved with the youth group, started going on 
more retreats and more mission trips. And then I started talking to the vocations group. I would, I started working with the CCD as, so I would teach, I would help with teaching uh, CCD to the, to the seventh graders. And it's funny, some of my seventh graders from, from back then, you know, they're all, they're getting married now, which is beautiful. And they're uh, still practicing their Catholic faith in such a beautiful way. And then I was on one of the student leadership teams. We would go on a parish pilgrimage and I would sign up for it and just more and more things going deeper and deeper and deeper uh, with, with my faith and with, with parish life. And, you know, no one thing really indicated like, oh, I need to be a priest. But looking back at the, the trajectory all through high school, I could see where all these different events were leading. I could see that God was guiding me in a certain direction. And, you know, that direction was, was towards the seminary and, and deeper into my vocation with him. Was there a particular tipping point that, because, you know, in high school, you're thinking, well, what am I going to do? College, military mission work, employment. You know, what was the tipping point for you to decide this is going to be what I'm going to try next oh, after high school? Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. There had to be a tipping point because, you know, at the, the entire time I was doing these things, growing my faith, going to uh, getting more and more involved in my parish. I was also I was going through everything that <laughs> normal high schoolers have to deal with. And I was yeah. having to. I, there are a lot of struggles, and there are a lot of foibles, and a lot of a lot of faults, um, a lot of temptations, and just a lot of different things that uh, that left me divided. I said, "Okay, well, I'm living my faith on this side, but I'm and I'm discerning a priest uh, priestly vocation on this side, but at the same time, I want to do everything that my friends in the high school are doing." And so there came this tipping point. My junior year, we went on our high school retreat, and it was I remember. At, so many of the details about it. We were at Heartland Retreat Center. We were in the big lodge, and it was in the back, back right corner of the of the main room. And and I went to confession. I went to confession. I, I bent, but again, I can't remember the priest. I can't remember what he said, or I can't remember what I confessed, or the penance even that he gave me. But I remember, it, I had this very beautiful encounter with the sacrament of confession. I confessed everything that I'd been doing, everything that I'd been up to. And I remember in that moment feeling this very, very beautiful, um, this very beautiful sense of all of the mercy and the forgiveness and the healing and the divine grace that is poured out in the sacrament of confession. And it was, it was a beautiful, powerful encounter, and it's something that I'd never felt before, and I haven't felt since, but I knew in that moment how amazing the sacrament of confession was. And yeah. in that tipping point, I knew, okay, I need to, I, I want to give this to people. I want to share this with people. And, you know, that came with a little realization that the only way to do that is as a priest. And so, you know, that, that was the tipping point that pushed me over the side. I'm like, well, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well be serious about it. I might as well actually give it, give it a, the old college look. So afterwards, I I went and I did, made a visit at the Josephinum, the Pontifical College Josephinum here in our diocese. They have um, they have live-in weekends, you know, one in the spring and one in the fall. And I I went to one of them, and I remember just just the moment that I got out of my mom's minivan at at the Josephinum, stepping stepping out of the out of the van and onto the campus, I felt such peace, and this incredible peace just washed over me. And again, I 
I had this very clear sense, like, I don't know what my vocation is. I don't know what God wants me to do. But I know that God wants me to do it here. And so that led from, like, okay, I've, this is where I want to go. I started filling out the application in the summer before my senior year. I finished it up so that I could... Uh, so that I could enjoy my senior year. I got my acceptance letter the week before homecoming. That was funny because I had to tell my I, my homecoming date, said, look, you know, don't get any ideas. We're just going to be friends. I'm a seminarian now. <laughs> and, and yeah, the... I'm curious about your, yeah, and I'm curious about the the friends in public high school when you said, yeah, I'm going to go to Josephine, and what was what was that reaction? Oh, that was that was funny. You know, a bunch of my my close friends they they knew they kind of knew that this was on my heart. They knew it was on my radar, but I don't think they realized to what extent. Uh, but then when I was when I was telling people uh, in the beginning of my senior year where I was going to go to college. And that's that's everyone. That's that's all we could talk about. And I think that's mm-hmm. still probably true. Being of senior year. Oh, who are you applying to? Where are you going to go? What scholarships are you going for? Like, oh, do you, where, where do you want to go to college? What do you want to study? And so my answer was, oh, I'm I'm going to go down to the Pontifical College Josephinum, the Catholic Seminary. They're like, the what? <laughs> 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 the what? And I said. You know, the, it's the Catholic Seminary. It's just down the street from our from our school. Because at Olentangy Public High School, we were on, just off the same road as the Josephinum. It was just off of 23, off of High Street. <laughs> we had to drive by it all the time, but no one knew what it was. And then I'd say, you know, the Josephinum, the, the place that looks like Hogwarts, down off of High Street. They're like, oh, that place. The place looks like Hogwarts. Yeah. It's got this gigantic tower and it's this massive, beautiful castle-like building. And they said, oh, man, we had no idea what that was. We thought that was some sort of mental hospital or something. I said, no, 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 no. Far far from it. But, and so just, so, so just explaining to people where I was going, that was, that was, uh, a treat in itself because no that one really knew what awesome. it was. We all drove by it and we all knew it was there, but we didn't know what it was. So and you know, did I know I was going to spend the next eight years of my life there. there. So before you entered in the fall of 2012, um, you had some good advice going into the seminary. What, what would, what did, were you advised? Again, father Dave Sizemore, very, very good spiritual father, good through this entire process. And I'm trying to emulate him now as I'm talking to young men who are discerning the priesthood or transitioning from high school into seminary, I'm trying to pass them the same same kind of wisdom. But some of the wisdom that, that he and also one of my uh, seminary, my parish brother at the time, uh, Billy Duraney, he was in formation from our parish as well. They both told me some really, really excellent things. One of the things that they told me was not to get involved in any camp or into any cliques in the seminary. That just like any institution, that there's always a danger mm-hmm. of that. But they said, if, if I stay Orthodox, if I stay Catholic, if I follow what the Catholic Church teaches, then I will never have any problems. And that's, that has worked out beautifully. And then and also, they, they encouraged me to not, to not to base my own discernment on other people's discernment, because um, there are so many different so many different people in the seminary with 
and there are, we all have our own different vocations. And if one of my one of my best friends discerned out, you know, a couple of years in the seminary, and the temptation was to think, well, if he can't make it, this incredibly you know smart and engaging and funny guy, if he can't make it in the seminary, you know, what chance do I have? But remembering that you know, my vocation was my own, and that despite what all the things that are going around on around me, that I could that I should keep discerning my own vocation, and also not to uh, not to make any changes or drastic decisions when I was in the lows or in the highs. Because through seminary, just like through anything, through college or through a relationship, there there are highs and lows. It's up and down all the time. But to say not to take not to focus on the highs and the lows, but to focus on just the even keeled uh, middle middle way and seeing seeing how you know, the, the middle trajectory of the entire discernment is going and to right. follow and to follow that. So knowing that, you know, even if I had a terrible day with a philosophy paper, or if I'm having an amazing day, we just, we just won the mud bowl or we just, um, I just had an awesome retreat that, and all the good things and the bad things and everything up and down that God was calling me to follow that, that constant, that his call was remaining constant, even though my life was going up and down. I was going to say, it must have been good advice because you obviously followed it and we're coming already to the end of this interview and I could so easily spend another 30 minutes on your story. Um, but you did enter the seminary in 2012, eight years later. Um, you were ordained a priest in 2020. We know about the challenges. We've had guests uh, talk about that particular ordination year. Still, I know it was a beautiful day. And now you're over at Christ the King as parochial vicar. You're a chaplain at Bishop Hartley High School. So you are able to impart so much of this good knowledge and experience to uh, young men considering the priesthood. Um, just uh, in, in our last, like, 30 seconds, uh, what would you say to others who are considering the priesthood? Yeah, to, to any young men that are, that are listening or discerning their vocation, or to any, uh, any young ladies that are discerning a vocation to, to religious life, know that, that God is the one who created our hearts, that He, he knows every stitch and every molecule of our hearts. He knows everything that's in them, and He knows what is going to fulfill them. And so trusting that if God is calling me to this vocation, that despite any of my fears, despite any of my worries, that if this is what I was made to do, if this is what God has in store for me, that this is going to make me happier than anything else in the world. That even though it's scary, our vocation is going to set our hearts on fire. So don't be afraid. Just dive in. Be not afraid. That was uh, Father Michael Fulton, Christ the King. Can you leave us with a very quick blessing, Father? Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse, St. Michael the Archangel, and all the saints, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you, Father Michael Fulton. This is Elizabeth Vicicelli answering the call. Tune in next week for more episodes. God bless.